Hello, everybody. Welcome to the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler. I'm Wyatt. Today, we are joined by our friends from the Fantasy Sanctuary, Rich and Tom. We're continuing our look, checking in on some of these players that are really interesting for this offseason. So stay tuned. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I like I'm I'm in for death, taxes, and the 2022 water receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really I had not I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Rich, happy to have you back on the show. Tom, your first time right here on the Dynasty Digest. Also happy to have you as well. We've been interacting for a long time on Twitter, so it's nice to actually have a face-to-face here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, huge fans of the content that you guys do, everything that you put out on Twitter, everything you put out on YouTube. So it's fantastic to be face-to-face and get a chat with you guys live and in person. Yeah, absolutely. Rich, how you doing tonight? Yeah, today. very good. Tonight yeah, for you, today good. for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank, thank you so much for having us on again. You know, it's always good to respect you guys, respect the content you do. So always always very happy to jump on and, and have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're big fans of y'all as well, so we're happy to have you here. Um, so new thing that we're doing for this show is we're asking our guests to bring one player they want to buy. Give us their sales pitch on that player. Rich, you're up first. Yeah, so I mean... We were we were chatting before we started recording, and uh, yeah, as, as Skylar says, this has kind of become my brand. I feel like this off season, <laughs> not not sure I particularly want it, but it, it's become it. So it's it's Bryce Young. Um, I just can't believe how undervalued he is in in circles right now. I mean, you look at keep trade cut have got him as the QB seventeen. He's worth less than the late twenty twenty four first in DLF ADP. He's QB twenty. I mean, this is a guy that was in in talks of being the 101 12 months ago. You know, a lot of people took him as the 101 and it feels like we've given other players, you know, essentially buys for having a bad situation. Their rookie year, you think of Trevor Lawrence, everybody kind of said, yeah, Mars a joke. That's fine. We'll still believe in Trevor Lawrence. But Bryce Young had horrendous offensive line, horrendous receivers, horrendous coaches and situation. And everybody's just gone, yeah, brush rungs your bust, get rid of him. So for me, I, I, look, I don't particularly think that I'm standing on the table and saying Bryce Young's going to be a superstar, but it's just a value play at this point. If I can get him for a late first when, you know, nine months ago he was going as the 101 in a lot of Superflex drafts, I think it's a smash play for me. And I think that there is a world we've seen so many times, you know, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, other guys that were highly drafted, highly drafted players had a tough rookie year, but bounced back in the second year. And I think I, I really like the, the coaching hire. I really like the fact that I think they're going to invest to build around this offense. You know, they have realized we need Bryce Young to work out in order for the Panthers to be able to take those kind of steps forward. So I think we're going to see them invest in the offensive line, invest in the wide receiver position. And yeah, Bryce Young might still be a bust, but I think, at the price he is currently, that's a, a risk I'm willing to take 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I think you do have to adjust those expectations a little bit, but I'm, I'm with you in the way that I think he's falling to a point where it's a, a price that I'm willing to you know get back in on, uh, especially with Dave Canellas going there to be the head coach after he's turned around Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. Like, that's a big, big thing to me. 
with with Bryce Young. The size bias. I mean, like every time Kyle Murray's not like you know top of his game, it's always brought right back to that as well. I think that just just creeped its way in with Bryce Young, where it's just an easy way to dunk on the guy, and he's not hot and flashy anymore, which is crazy. It's been one year, so I'm with you. I mean, late first is easily worth the risk. Yeah, and I, I bet like if C.J. Stroud wasn't so amazing with an also bad roster like seen as a bad roster how people you know i don't don't, i'm not sure the optics would be exactly the same for bryce young well even to a lesser extent with anthony richardson surprising like if you took bryce young at the 102 which was nearly consensus i mean it was pretty split hairs between him and cj shot i think the most and then you had obviously your crowd that was really high on anthony richardson i guess you could say it was equal between the three maybe if we want to just put it as a, a blanketed uh perception of how everyone was at the time but if you took bryce young 102 and then okay anthony richardson surprised cj stroud looks like you know top five top 10 quarterback immediately i mean that that hurts Bryce Young as well to what why I was saying like even more extreme because there's that regret bias as well. I mean, it's and, like when you see players like this come out and you know they're highly drafted, and then the immediacy like within a year where people just back off. It it reminds like during the Trevor Lawrence sort of like discourse, it was always that kind of point of view of just being like well. It, it reminds me of a kind of quote from the Joker where he's like, you know, did what happened to you guys? Did your balls drop off? Like, why are you suddenly like cowering away from it when everything that you thought about Bryce Young a year ago could still be perfectly true? He was just put in a terrible situation to the point where Adam Thielen, somebody we all wrote off as dead, actually looked pretty good at times. And there were so many points, like, I can't get over the fact that for a while we saw on Twitter Bryce Young being rated as a bust because he'd thrown for less passing yards in any game than Andy Dalton. Like he's a young player. He's going to grow into it. He wasn't given a great opportunity last year. And I really do think the coaching changes are made are good. I also think this is a good year for the Panthers to be active in free agency of the wide receiver position, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of teams are going to be looking towards the draft and those first round players, which isn't something the Panthers can do. And because of that, teams are going to talk themselves out some of the nice wide receivers who are available. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Tom, it's your turn to sell us. So I'm going with Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I think at the minute there's a lot of conversation in dynasty circles about which running backs you should be paying for. And because there's all these veterans who are changing teams and there's a bit of ambiguity with a lot of contracts around them, they've become the kind of popular targets because this running back class is very weak by all accounts. But I think Pacheco's probably the player I'd rather, like I'd rather have him ahead of the guys like, you know, Joe Mixon, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, all of them. Because what we've seen from Pacheco over the last few years has been everything we'd want from him. You know, 4.9 yards per attempt last year, 4.6 yards per attempt this year. Top 20 innovated tackle rate, picked up the sixth most first downs. The only guys ahead of him, CMC, Kyron Williams, Raheem Mostert, Derrick Henry, and David Montgomery. When he was on the field, he was productive. So there's always the argument and the pushback you get to it is always, oh, well, you know, low draft capital running backs are a difficult proposition in fantasy. But when you look at those running backs like James Robinson, Damian Pierce, they were victims of a change in circumstances, whether it was head coach, whether it was offensive scheme, front office changes. That's what led to those players falling out of favor. 
unless Andy Reid suddenly retires next weekend, and even if he does, I don't think the Chiefs are suddenly going to give up on Pacheco. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is most likely gone. Jarek McKinnon is going to be, what, 32 years old heading into next year? I think that if you can go out and pay the 111, the 112 for Isaiah Pacheco, that's a deal that I'd be completely content making every day of the week. Isaiah Pacheco is an interesting phone for me because it's like over the last couple of months, every time I open up my dynasty rankings, he seems to like move up a spot every time I look at it. But I'm also not actively trying to buy because he just falls into this section of running backs where it's like, oh, like if I have to buy it, I'll go do it like with closer to season when I'm, I feel even better about it, more secure. I'll, I'll pay the slight extra at that point to do it. But like, I get it. It's, uh, Andy Reid is a, a, a head coach that's never really cared about draft capital at running back other than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And we like, I, th- I think that they <laughs> probably wish they never made that pick. I will say when it comes to draft capital though, after two years in the league, I, I really don't care about for these running backs. Like, when it comes to the draft capital, anyone who throws it out there for Isaiah Pacheco is at two years to prove himself as a player. His role is pretty cemented as Tom said, when you look at the depth chart in the room and the way he plays, I mean, this guy runs, he's everything you want a running back where he's a little bit of a, it doesn't feel like there's a lot going on in his head. He gets absolutely popped and he gets up laughing. Like he's a little psychotic. <laughs> you need that with your running backs with the with the style that they like to run him where he just comes out like he's shot out of a cannon. And it's a really needed part of that offense. It makes it really tough when you can't just uh, sag off for Patrick Mahomes to try to get soft coverage because you're just going to have Isaiah Pacheco come run three guys over down the middle. It's a really needed part of the offense. I think they've been a better team since they kind of incorporated him as a main focus into the offense. I think it's inherently limited because even though he'll have the occasional game where he gets targets thrown his way that's just really not the main part of his game so i don't i don't think i will ever view isaiah pacheco as like a bona fide rb1 he might finish as a fringe rb1 just with the way things play if he plays a full season that's not when i say a true rb1 exactly what i mean but if isaiah pacheco is my rb2 i'm very happy with it my my only pushback is like what Wyatt was saying at this time of the year it's just i'm not always going out of my way to go and try to find that rb2 because that's usually the easiest fill in season or if i do want to have an elite rb2 which is where i would put isaiah pacheco kind of more into i'll pay that slight little premium where okay you spent a first and maybe bench fodder and it's more of an uh, ambiguous first rather than knowing it's the 111 112 but in a vacuum i mean you could you could argue isaiah pacheco as early as what 108 109 realistically so if you do have a 111 or 112 i also don't hate just getting ahead of that premium if you feel like that is going to be an inevitable need in season i think that we're talking about the draft capital at this point in his career i almost view the draft capital as a positive because the chiefs are at a point where they've got patrick mahomes's mega contract and they're counting pennies every single offseason <laughs> you know chris chris jones is going to have a probably another monster extension if they want to keep him around. The fact that Isaiah Pacheco is under contract for another two years at $1 million each year, I view that as a positive because they can say, we've got a competent running back on the cheap. We don't need to spend resources at this position. Let's go and attack other positions. You know, if if he was a seven, $8 million cap hit in that final year, they'd probably be looking at, yeah, okay, we may, maybe we can look at moving on from him if he's not got a dead cap here charge. But the fact that he's so cheap, to me, incubates him a little bit more because it's saying, why would they try and replace a guy that is so dirt cheap right now and spend resources that they could spend elsewhere? 
Yeah, I do think it makes some sense. Like, I think they're going to add to the backfield in some way, but I don't expect it to be a significant addition. As you mentioned, they do need to find ways to save some money. Running back position is a good place to do it. But let's jump into our main section of this show. We're going to be talking about some wide receivers, and we're actually going to start off with a teammate of Isaiah Pacheco with Rasheed Rice, who Dynasty League Football January startup ADP had him at wide receiver 23 on key trade cut today, wide receiver 16. I think you're starting to see that basically across marketplaces, him climbing a little bit as he's performed in the playoffs as well. 10.8 half PPR points per game on a 17.9% target share in 2023, but from weeks 12 on when we really saw that change for him up to 14.9 half PPR points per game on 25.5% target share. Uh, I, I tweeted out not that long ago. Like I think they could make an addition to this team, a possibly a significant addition, one that could start over everyone else outside of Rishi Rice. And maybe it doesn't actually affect him too much because of the type of things that he does on the field in that offense. Um, obviously if they, if they go for a high profile player, it could affect Rishi Rice, but, you know, I think things are looking pretty good for Rasheed Rice moving forward. Rich, how are you feeling? I'm a huge Rasheed Rice fan. He was one of my favorite wide receivers coming out of the draft class last year. I've got an obscene amount of shares of him. The price that he's getting up to is starting to concern me because I think that whilst Rasheed Rice has had a phenomenal rookie year, he is not a complete receiver. He is essentially one of those old school gadget type players that doesn't run true routes. He coming out of SMU, he couldn't run routes. He runs such a simple route tree at SMU, but he's phenomenal with the ball in his hands. And it's like, okay, yes, that's fantastic. But for him to continue to be a elite fantasy producer, he's going to need to add more to his game. Because as you said, this offense is going to continue to grow. They're going to add a receiving piece to this offense, whether it's in free agency, trade, draft, whatever. There's going to be a, whether it's, you know, perhaps another uh, tight end, uh, a secondary pass catch or something. We can't just rely on Rashi Rice basically running drags and crossing routes and just continue to get short dump offs and take him to the house. He needs to round out that game. And until he rounds out that route running ability, I can't spend, do you say wide receiver 16 on keep trade cut? Like that, that's too expensive for me. I, I've got him wide receiver 21. I thought I was high on Rushy Rice. Yeah, those prices are, are starting to scare me a little bit. Yeah, Rich, I, I, I'm with you there. Um, he's my wide receiver 22 right now. I, I take a look at that wide receiver 16 price, even though I really like Rushy Rice and think you're telling me I can tear down to Michael Pittman. I can tear down to Jordan Addison. I can tear down to T Higgins and get something on top of that. Like that, that sounds pretty good to me. What do you think, Tom? I think like it's so tricky because what we saw from Rasha Rice this year was he really stood up and was counted on when even Travis Kelsey wasn't doing so, you know, like over the last half season, Kelsey was just couldn't score a touchdown at all. And the one thing Rashi Rice was frequently doing was scoring touchdowns finished the year with seven. And touchdowns, we know they're not a particularly sticky metric year to year. But Rashi Rice scored almost 25% of Patrick Mahomes' touchdowns this year in a year which was a very down year for Mahomes. He had 27 pass touchdowns. He averages 38.6 per year normally. So if we're expecting the Chiefs to take a step forward next year and play even more similarly to how we're doing in the playoffs more consistently during the regular season, then, yeah, it's very easy to project Rice again for seven to ten touchdowns. 
But as you guys said, it's like the price is just a little too expensive, and I've not seen that kind of true elite qualities that would make me comfortable really banking that he's going to make a massive jump forward and become one of those true sort of like, I don't know, that kind of T. Higgins, Devonta Smith range of players, because it's perfectly acceptable to me to say, okay, the price represents what you are getting from him. But if I pay that price, I want to be getting more and be able to see a growth where, you know, a path to him growing and being even more valuable. And I'm just not sure I see that at the moment. It is an interesting thought about, you know, the, the Chiefs offense, you know, disappointing this year and we expect it to be better and Rishi Rice will be with that possibly gaining more in that. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Skylar, what do you think? Well, I'm not quite sure that we're actually ever going to get a plus on top of a Michael Pittman, Addison, T. Higgins for Rashi Rice. And if you were and you're in a league, maybe if Rashi Rice goes out there and he has a 100 yard or a touchdown in the Super Bowl, maybe you can go and try to quickly make a move like that in your league. And if you can, I would absolutely go and do that. But I would agree with Rashi Rice, the price getting as high as it is, it's a really tough position because you can completely understand why. But it's just very hard to get behind because you're investing so much. You're really at a spot where you are calling your shot. And we always say every year, whenever you're trying to chase the number two option for Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, every single year, the answer is there isn't one. Typically speaking, the ball just kind of gets spread around uh, outside of their, their main target. It goes to whoever's getting open, however they're scheming open. But the slight difference it feels for this year is with, with the decline of Travis Kelsey, which if you believe trickles into next season, there is an opportunity for Rashi Rice to really at least take that step forward up in usage because we didn't even see this guy getting full usage until week 14 into the season, right? At that point, going into week, uh, going into Buffalo, our biggest problem with Rashi Rice when he was getting buzz is like, okay, it's been efficient, right? He's getting the targets, he's getting the touchdowns, but he's not playing more than 50, 60% of the snaps. There's no way you're going to convince me to invest above wide receiver two prices uh, for or above wide receiver three prices for a wide receiver that's a part-time player. And then we got those last four weeks and then his usage in the, in the playoffs thus far, and it's like, okay, well, as a full-time player, it looks pretty darn good. Now, the way he's getting it, exactly what you're saying, a lot of it is after the catch. The guy's great with the ball in his hands when he gets schemed open, um, but he's not necessarily this prolific route runner, this complete wide receiver. And in a wide receiver 16, you're investing in players that you do think are a little bit more complete. The spot here with Rashi Rice is you really have to make your call. If you're investing in Rashi Rice at this price, you are deciding this is a player that you think has at least enough to get you close to that value, but he has the opportunity both in situation and skill to grow as a player. And if you want to make that call, it's really tough for me to go out here and vote against it. Now, when Wyatt said, which we had this conversation like five times now, um, they're going to add something significant to the room. I mean, but significant you mean, to me, I'm hearing just a body because like, sure, it's being able to start over Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Kadarius Tony is like, congratulations, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a day three talent. Um, but in terms of like where I would see significant, where when I'm investing a wide receiver 16, I want to know what actually hurts this player. Like, could they come in right with, you know, a Devonta Smith? Is there a spot where they're going to come in and get an AJ Brown? Is there a spot with, um, you know, a lot of these, some of these wide receivers where they're going to go in and they're going to spend a day one pick on a wide receiver the next year? Like, are these things really going to happen? And with Kansas City, since Andy Reid has been there in his entire era. The only significant free agent acquisitions we've seen is 2015 out of Jeremy Macklin. 2017, he had 
uh, Sammy Watkins. And then in terms of the draft, he Travis Kelsey, 2013, was round three. Chris Conley, 2015, was round three. McCall Hardman, 2019, was round two. Sky Moore in 2022, round two. And then Rashi Rice last year in round two. In that time, they've been 120 and 51, 10 out of 11 uh, playoff appearances. You know, they're going into their potential third Super Bowl there. Like, they've been wildly successful without going and making actually significant additions to that room and so with Rashi Rice like I agree I think there's certain players we've talked about where if they could have Tyler Boyd come in and do better than Juju if somehow they were able to work out a deal cheap enough like that's a wide receiver that could be a great addition to that room I don't see Curtis Samuel happening as much that's the one where maybe actually I would have some pause because now suddenly what Rashi Rice is good at is being kind of distributed against two wide receivers it would be nice where we were talking significant a player that I think would help Rashi Rice, if anything, would be like a Darnell Mooney on the outside because they can play completely different roles that at least expands this offense. Um, so the good things for Rashi Rice, I don't necessarily see if we go with the traditional Kansas City way that they are going to hurt his opportunity. And that really is key. But then the problem I have with investing this high is if I don't believe in the talent, it's just too much a spite situation because what is separating a player like Rashi Rice to a player like Jaden Reed, it's pretty rare that I value situation uh, to make a tier difference. The, the caveat is Patrick Mahomes and a real shot at being the number one option between Travis Kelsey and Rashi Rice. They're averaging like 15 targets between the two of them halfway through the season. It was going like nine Kelsey's way, six Rice's way. And then that flip flop for the back half of the season. And I think that that is something as we go into next year could legitimately hold. So there is an opportunity for Rashi Rice to be more than just a tertiary piece for Patrick Mahomes offense. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the investment. It's just tough for me personally to get behind um, because I don't think as a talent, he's that much better than a player like Jaden Reed. I just think it's a lot harder for Jaden Reed to separate himself within his opportunities, despite me even liking that offense and the trajectory of that offense. He, de he definitely seems like a player at this point. That I think that you're taking a stand on one way or the other with how he's climbing up those ranks. But our next wide receiver basically had like the opposite 2023 compared to him. That's Stefan Diggs, who 13 half PPR points per game for the season, but it was 17.8 from weeks one through nine, and then 6.9 after that for the rest of the year. Just completely <laughs> fell off. Um, I don't think anyone like truly knows. We can all speculate like what really happened there. I thought he was giving plenty of effort. I don't, I don't want to hear that noise, but for whatever reason, Things are not working out for him, but he's been falling down dynasty ranks right now on dynasty League football, January startup ADP wide receiver 27 today on keep trade cut wide receiver 29. I mean, even with that back half of the season, I see that price and I think that's worth a shot to me, Tom, what do you think? I think right now it's one of those tricky ones where I don't think anyone wants to buy him right now, apart from maybe yourself, Wyatt. I don't think anyone really wants to sell him right now because, as you mentioned, the stats from this year were such polar opposites from the first half to the second half. But it was the same in 2022. He averaged 24.8 PPR points weeks one away and then 15.0 the rest of the year. This year, it kind of slumped even further to the point where he was kind of, you know, struggling to break double digits at times. But if you've got digs, you're fully aware of his ceiling outcomes. You're fully aware that, okay, the vibes have been far from immaculate in Buffalo around Diggs for the last two, maybe three years now. And 
while a trade or you know something like that looks difficult, we've seen far worse salary cap situations be worked when a team has to do something. You know, if there's a player agitating for a move, if there's a player who really is unhappy, Buffalo can't really afford to have that when they're trying to be all in. So perhaps if you were making a case for buying him, you're considering, okay, can he go land somewhere else where he becomes the focal point again, much like he did early on in his career with Buffalo. He really was the focal point. And then over times, you know, the offense has diversified a bit. You know, there's games which are just Josh Allen games. There's games which are James Cook games now. So I I kind of worry a little bit about Stefan Diggs. I think he's a bit of a hard click. I think I'd probably be more tempted to select him in a startup draft at the minute than I would be to go out and buy him. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. I, that's one of those like cheat codes in startups this time of year. Like the the veterans just falling down boards, and you can just soak up all of that. I think you're right though that like I don't think anybody who has Stefan Diggs on their team is actually going to let me buy for this price. Uh, Rich, what do you think? I think that I'm going to take a step back and look at this from a from a wide lens. I think as a a, a community as a a marketplace, I think we still don't value wide receivers approaching that age cliff correctly. I think that for the last two years, Stefan Diggs has been grossly overvalued. And I think that people have held him up as this, you know, super elite dynasty asset, not realizing that this age cliff was coming. We then get to this point where now, where, as you said, he starts tumbling down ranks. He starts tumbling in value. Give it another three months once rookie fever tech kicks in. And he'll be valued even less. And at that point, the production will grossly outweigh the value and he'll become criminally undervalued. So I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to buy him right now, but give it two months, three months when he's probably going to be worth less. Let's be honest, this is Stefan Diggs as well. So he's probably going to have some sort of outburst in the media or, or, or something's going to happen. He's going to be like a bit of a diva. That's the point at which I'm then looking to buy because... If I'm if I can get him for potentially, you know, a single second round pick, which I think in two, three months, that could be where his price is. I need one competent season out of him to pay back on that price. And I think that we're getting to that point where these wage these wide receivers, they become too undervalued in the offseason because we're just it almost overreact to the age cliff because we were slow to react because we've been overvaluing him for the last two years, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe he's a perfect uh, like rookie draft, in-draft target. Um, Skylar, what do you think? You're on mute. At the end of 2022, Keenan Allen f- fell as far as wide receiver 52. Like when we're just talking about like talented <laughs> all-time veterans, you know, with the <laughs> volatility of keep trade cut. Right. I completely agree with Rich. It's the entire point I was going to make with buying into Stefan Diggs. It's not something I want to do now because I do kind of want to, on my own end, kind of see how things shake out early into the offseason, uh, kind of read into the tea leaves. But at the same time, I'm going to let everyone else react even harsher than I'm going to react to said news when it inevitably comes and combat that with the hype around the rookie class coming in, the lack of running backs in the class that thus gets more eyeballs on the wide receivers in the class, more excitement on the wide receivers in the class, brings down a lot of these aging veterans like a Stefan Diggs, where currently he's sitting there 
with what you had said, uh, wide receiver 29. I think that that comes down probably is closer to wide receiver 36 at a certain point, in which case I'm going to probably be interested. It's disappointing as it was in that back half. It really was head scratching. We finished the year with 160 targets, right? We love to talk about chasing volume. At the end of the day, a guy who hasn't had less than 156 targets in any of the last four seasons, uh, I think there's probably some value to be had there when you're buying at fringe wide receiver three prices, whether he's 30 years old or not. It's interesting, Tom, that you said you interested in buying him in a startup. I would agree if he fell to a certain point. But the reason I think actually like a treat keep trade cut ranking would go further is because it is he is one of those players where the context within a league just starting versus a league that's been established is very, very different. Because I could see in a startup where you're like, well, there's a lot of question marks here with Stefan Diggs, so I can go other directions. There are going to be other options in my startup draft where in your existing league, you're either you're either giving up assets that you deem valuable to go add Stefan Diggs on your squad with all of the risk, or you're a guy who sit there and you know how important, as you said, you know what that ceiling could be if he does come back at least you know 75% to the form we're used to. Uh, to your lineup, are you really going to trade him for pennies on the dollar when you you know? So you're probably just sitting there holding. It's a really tough player in trades. I would say at minimum, it's a guy to definitely check the temperature on with the manager in your league. I think that's the really important thing here is conversation starter. Maybe if you have talks going amongst other players, you can kind of throw Stefan Ziggs' name in there and then put down in your little notepad the manager's name and their thoughts there on Stefan Diggs and revisit that in a couple months. Um, but if there is one little thing I'm going to say on Stefan Diggs, which I haven't really talked to other people who have expressed any appreciation for Khalil Shakir, if he is the type of player that can be thrown onto a trade to like push it over, I would be very interested in just accumulating some shares of Kaloshakir where I can. Obviously, Wyatt can spit out their numbers to finish the back half of the year. But even in the playoffs, Kaloshakir looked pretty good when they were getting involved in the plan. You think he's faster than people realize. He's bigger than people realize. Um, he was probably underdrafted in the real NFL draft there. I mean, I don't know. We went day three, but there was and a lot of a lot of teams had late day two grades on the player. So it's not like he's somebody who completely has come out of nowhere. And you know, there could be a bigger role for him. But of course, the reason I say is instead of go out aggressively target this guy, I say he's a perfect player. I would love to throw him. We'll, we'll see what Buffalo does in the draft. We'll see what they do in free agency. Because if there is anything coming with Diggs, they might see that window and say, we need to make either a day one type move for a receiver, take call or shot, or we need to go make make a move around Stefan Diggs and, and keep keep this run going. If from week eight on, including the playoffs, Khalil Shakir had more receiving yards than Stefan Diggs. Uh, quick, quickly, Tom, would you be interested in Shakir at all, depending on price, obviously? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, he... I mean, the Bills have been desperate for a second wide receiver to actually step up and take that role for a while. I think the tricky part is everybody who had Shakir is kind of very aware of what they were doing on your bench over the last few weeks of the season. Um, so is it a case where you're going to be buying high on him? He's maybe a player that I would wait until after the draft. And if they don't make a significant addition at wide receiver two, then I'd possibly be a bit more comfortable paying. But I mean, his price probably rise slightly. So maybe I'll just miss that window. 
I think if just if you could throw it, man, right? Like midseason, Khalil yeah. Shakir was one of those guys that was kind of seen as a clogger or fodder. He was actually cut in a lot of leagues. His roster ship was 50% or less in dynasty leagues on sleeper at, you know, like midway through the season before that resurgence came uh, at the point where digs really started to to tail off so there could be still a little bit of that perception where it's like okay yeah i could like him Diggs could fall off but this is a guy I picked up off waivers so that i was thinking about cutting two months ago so i, I don't know if managers are valuing him past kind of that like mid third and a lot of times in trades if they view a player as a mid third and you're throwing him in to get it over i don't think that necessarily adds like you're paying anything in a deal so i would agree with you like i would want to know if i'm going to pay to to the facet of a late second or you know then i probably want to wait until after the draft and know that he actually does have that opportunity in front of him maybe a team grossly overpaid for gabriel davis despite him primarily being you know the dirty work wide receiver for the team or St stefan diggs there's clarity on his future we know what they did in the draft if at that point the opportunity is clear, then yeah, go out and get him more aggressively. But before that point, I do think he's one of those names where you can see, and I'll do this with any player. If there's any opportunity for them to take a step forward and they're kind of in that throw in range, I'm just going to have them on a list that way, no matter what manager I am working with on a trade, I'll look on their roster, look at my list of like guys that I think could at least have that opportunity and see if I can get them thrown into the deal. Not necessarily like paying for them, but just seeing if I can get that lottery ticket just as an incentive piece. Let's move down the rankings a little bit for our next player with Michael Wilson. Dynasty League Football Startup ADP had him at wide receiver 50. Keep trade cut right now, wide receiver 52. His rookie year there with the Cardinals, 7.3 half PPR points per game on a 13.7% target share. Not a lot was expected out of him going into the season, though... It was nice to see him actually be a starting wide receiver, though. Also, we kind of projected that because everyone else on that team is 5'8 and below. And he was the only wide receiver with some size on the outside who can hold up over there. Now, Marquise Brown is a free agent after this year. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, we have Trey McBride and his breakout there. They're sitting pretty high up in the draft order, and they're you know, a likely home probably for Marvin Harrison Jr. So now it's like... There's this theoretical opportunity in front of him, but I'm not sure how much of that opportunity actually comes to him. Uh, Skyler, how are we feeling? Yeah, I just, Michael Wilson, the player we threw onto this sheet today, because I was very curious on you two, if you have put any thought into Michael Wilson, or if he's a player that you think is, uh, could potentially step into this opportunity with or without Hollywood Brown and take a step up from last year. Michael Wilson coming in uh, was a wide receiver that we actually really liked. He might have surprised a lot of people when he snuck into day two uh, at the very end, but he was somebody who was always on the radar. He was a player who was injured throughout college, uh, and I think that really affected his draft stock, what people thought about him. But in terms of real NFL size, 6'1", 215, uh, his skill set, I thought that he was a player who could adjust to the league very, very well. And now he's not an absolute burner, but that's not where he beats guys. He's above average in every other physical uh, part of the game. But I think he's just a good wide receiver. Um, and with Kyler Murray, there wasn't a real wide receiver one, or at least a prototype of that body on the team when DeAndre Hopkins left. And I thought the opportunity could have been there for Michael Wilson to make an impact right away, at least get on the field right away. And I think he did that in splashes. Now, once Kyler Murray obviously missed half the season, it came back and then Michael Wilson had a couple injuries here or there. But I don't think that there's any real... Um, staple in an offense wide receiver on that roster 
Uh, if Hollywood Brown comes back, of course, I like Hollywood Brown, but I don't think that he is a barrier to entry for another wide receiver to come in and make their impact on a team. So Michael Wilson, for me personally, just giving avenue to why I like the player, um, he's somebody that I've been interested in accumulating last year at the end of third round and rookie drafts. He was a player that I, I had circled the target in a lot of these drafts. And then now, wow. if any manner is going to give him to me for any third I'm buying it on Michael Wilson, I think, even before free agency comes, because I do think if Hollywood Brown moves on and we get in the gap even before the draft, there could be a window to actually like cash out and hedge against the bet against Michael Wilson, where you know Twitter, when they get bored, might see Hollywood Brown go and then actually look into this guy and kind of fall in love with him and everything that he offers. And wow, this guy really could be the number one for Kyler Murray, who's nothing less than a top 10 NFL quarterback, at least from a fantasy perspective. And he's provided us with elite fantasy uh, weapons. So for me, Michael Wilson is just a guy to definitely have on my radar. I think true value is probably like two eight to a nine. That's just absolutely not a deal you need to do today because that could be there on the table during your rookie draft as well, despite the situation. So I'm not saying to go out and spend your late seconds on Michael Wilson. I will spend any third on Michael Wilson to get ahead of this. But he again is somebody that if I can work him into a trade, you might not be able to just get him thrown straight in. But if I could put him and then throw some fodder, anything I value it, maybe a fourth round pick or worse in a trade and throw, okay, let's put this fodder and Michael Wilson onto the trade and I'm done. I'm into it. Um, definitely a name. I just think is very worth keeping on your radar, being a little bit ahead of everybody else on. Cause I do think that there is a spot this off season where he could be somebody who catches a little bit of steam. Rich, I know you do some prospect modeling. What did you think of Michael Wilson coming into the NFL and how about him now? Um, he, he didn't do very well in my model, uh, quite <laughs> frankly. Uh, so he was a 51st percentile, um, player in the model largely because it's it's production based you know a lot of the metrics are those injuries based and you know he, he didn't really play in college very much he couldn't stay on the field and couldn't stay healthy so it, it's always going to ding a player like him because he doesn't have those you know raw stats to back it up I have to say, I, I love how enthusiastic and passionate Skyler is about a guy that we're talking about as wide receiver 50 here um, I don't dislike Michael Wilson, the player. I think that there's, you know, agree with everything Skyler's saying. There's a world that there could be. For me, I just don't like this archetype of player. For me, wide receivers, anything outside of about, I'm throwing out a random number here, but about outside of like 40 to 40, wide receiver 40 to 45, unless they're a veteran that's going to give me maybe one year of production, I basically don't want them because I think that their value in the trade market is always more than I think their chances are at producing. So for me, if I'm saying, you know, Skyler saying two eight two oh nine, if I can if I can get a late second for him, we're probably talking about a 10-15% chance that that's a multiple time top 24 wide receiver. Personally, I'd say that there's a less than 10-15% chance that Michael Wilson is going to be a top 24 wide receiver so i would rather take that late second and have a flyer on a player that could blow up than roster michael wilson because that's just how i like to play dynasty i i don't like rostering those wide receivers kind of 40 45 to about 80 unless they're that veteran that's going to give me one year that i can plug in because realistically are we sitting here going to be plugging michael wilson into our flex spots this season I struggle to see a world where I think that's going to happen consistently. If he's then had two years where he's not been fancy relevant, 
it, the, you know, the odds of that happening are next to none. So for me, I would rather, yeah, there's there's a little bit of production so far this year. He connected a few times with Kyler down the stretch when Hollywood Brown wasn't on the field for, he basically seemed to be injured, but playing every single week. Um, I think that if I can use that to sell and, you know, hopefully get a bit of a profit, if I draft him in the late third and can get a late second for him, that's a profit. I'll move forward and, and take a flower in the rookie draft. Tom, where do you land between these two? So I think for me, it's an easier click in best ball than dynasty at the minute. I think, you know, you look at last year, five games over 50 receiving yards, seven below that. And the price is kind of palatable. I don't have a problem with that. I think, you know, we expect this offense to take a step forward. Kyler Murray healthy first time under this new regime. Marvin Harrison, potentially somebody they could look to add. And, even if Hollywood Brown's not there, you're still looking at, okay, well, an elite wide receiver, a potentially elite tight end, and then somebody who scraps up from that. I think I really like him as a player. I think he's somebody that I'll be completely happy adding to Arizona Stacks next year. But as Rich said, I'm just, he's one of those players where I think I'd always struggle to play him. So maybe he's an easier click in Dynasty best ball leagues. But yeah, I don't know. I think if you can find a cheap buy window after they add a couple of wide receivers in the draft, then I'd possibly do it. Because the one thing about this Cardinals regime was last year going into training camp, they talked effusively, constantly about the guys who they drafted, their guys. And Marquise Brown wasn't one of their guys. You know, Rondale Moore wasn't one of their guys. And it just seemed that they really wanted it to be their guys who were on the field as much as possible. So Trey McBride has made that role his own. But at wide receiver, Michael Wilson is the one guy who they really drafted and have developed. And I could see him growing into it. I'm just not sure I could pay a rookie pick for it right now. I, I do like try to think about, you know, a second year in this offensive system. Does that passing volume and efficiency grow with that second year of Kyler Murray in that offensive system? Does that mean there's room for a third player to be relevant at their cost? Is it MJH McBride and Michael Wilson all kind of making good on their, on their costs? I think it's possible. Um, I think I lean slightly closer to Skylar in that like a third round pick. I'm kind of just okay with to see if it happens. Uh, I think that speaks to the draft class a little bit more, although, you know, third round picks, you know, not a very high hit rate regardless of year. Um, this is one where like, I'm, I'm less interested, I guess you could say. Uh, but I do understand like the concerns are very real that like the, the, the points just never really come for a player like Michael Wilson. Yeah. Well, you don't have to use draft capital necessarily just easier to put things in terms of that value. But if you're one of those managers who like has a Zamir white and you're trying to find any way to kind of cash out and no one's going to give you a second round pick. I think a player like Michael Wilson is a, it's a good target. And I could say the same thing about any young wide receiver you have on your team that you just simply do not believe in. If there's any hope on, you know, another manager in that league and they happen to have them. Like if you're out, if your manager's out on Marvin Mims, Jonathan Mingo, Jalen Hyatt, and you want to pivot and you're trying to look at other players where maybe it's it's a change in calling your shot uh as well. It's just a name, like one of those first names that comes to mind for me when I'm trying to find a cheap, a cheap 
dart throw to throw if I can't get the draft capitals. Michael Wilson, because I think he's somebody that probably gets viewed or at least valued as like that early third. And I think that's a completely fair value, at least for the type of dart throw you're getting. Our last wide receiver of the day is a player who's basically been tumbling down dynasty ranks during his time in the NFL, and that's Traylon Burks. Dynasty League Football, January started PDP, had him at wide receiver 56. Keep trade cut today, wide receiver 59. Only 2.9 half PPR points per game in 2023 on a 9.6% target share. Did deal with some injuries again this year. Has played 11 games in each of his first two years. I thought after his first year in the NFL, it was kind of like a Rorschach test. You could look at it and take whatever you wanted from it. If you ran on Traylon Burks before the season, you could look at, oh, well, he was like their number one receiver, gaining some targets, starting to look really good, and then injury happened. Like, And if that didn't happen, like the, that path would have continued. you know. And if you were a hater, you would have said, well, yeah, like this is why it's not happening. He has all these things that are going on. But after two years, I think it's a little bit harder to still have any kind of optimism for what he's doing. Um yeah, it's just really tough for me to have any real faith in Traylon Burks at this point. Um, I guess at this price, maybe it's like worth seeing if it's happening. But like maybe this is just a falling knife that you should just be avoiding. Rich, what do you think? Look, I, I was probably a Traylon Burks hater before the draft. I was Traylon Burks hater after the draft. I was Traylon Burks hater <laughs> last year. So, um, so you're loving yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, quite frankly. I mean, he's he's one of these players I threw out my my Calvin Johnson theory where basically we're all chasing the next Calvin Johnson and time after time, big bodied, fast wide receivers that can't run routes, that don't have the production, get buoyed in draft capital in fantasy circles because we're all chasing that Calvin Johnson. Traylon Burks was one of those players that I, I tabbed with that. And I think that basically if, if he was you know, five foot 11 or a little bit slower, no one would have been drafting him. I think that the, the we talked earlier, the percentage chance of somebody not producing in their first two years, then going on to elite fantasy production is very, very small. So yeah, I've, I've never been a fan and, and I don't think I'll ever be a fan, even at this, this cost and it is cheap. Yeah. Uh, Tom, do you, do you have any faith left for Traylon Burks? Did you have faith to begin with or were you like rich? <laughs> Well, I mean, so I I don't have a rookie model. I don't come to it from a kind of perspective like that. Like I'm content for people like yourself and Rich, for people smarter than me to do the rookie work and then, you know, I glean my my takes from them and then the production that's there. Rich talks about being a hater of Traylon Burks, but it's kind of worth pointing out that I think Mike Vrabel was probably the biggest hater of Traylon Burks of anyone. So true. And if there's one head coach in the league who had a shit list and it was hard to get off, then it was probably Mike Vrabel. Like Traylon Burks was always going to face an uphill struggle because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the draft pick almost immediately after they traded AJ Brown to the Eagles. And obviously, he is not AJ Brown. But it's possibly fair to say that he hasn't really had a fair run of things between the injuries and stuff. But now he's in that kind of, and one that's dear to my heart and hurts me deeply, it's the Rashad Bateman problem. We've just, like, the years are ticking by. We haven't seen it. There's been injuries, there's been issues, and you can make excuses. And if you see a good player in him in that Rorschach test that you mentioned, Wyatt, then you're probably willing to accept some of those excuses. And you can say, okay, well, with Mike Rabel gone... Maybe now he gets the chance to shine. 
But I don't have much faith in this Tennessee offense being particularly good next year. I think we're looking at at least another year before they can take a step forward and be particularly good. DeAndre Hopkins can be moved on from. It is a two-year contract, though, so perhaps he ends up back there simply because no other team wants to pay him what he wants. And I just I think, yeah, it's going to be very difficult to rely on too many people in this Tennessee offense full stop next year. And for that reason, I think I'd rather speculate with third round picks and hope that I hit on the next Puka Nakua, or if I'm talking about players who I would trade for Traylon Burks, maybe there's situations where I would do that. If I could get him thrown in, as uh, Skylar talked about earlier and some of the other players we talked about, if I can get Traylon Burks just dropped in because a fantasy manager is just sick of him, and they just want out, then maybe that's a situation where I'd take him on a low-risk move like that. Skyler, what do you think? Does does Brian Callahan change anything for you? I think we'll go right back and find right up here where the Michael Wilson that we just talked about. I'll put the clip up there if you're just watching. Clip here on Traylon Burks. And it's a lot of the same thing I was saying with Michael Wilson. Now, the difference here is we're talking about a guy who just went at the end of uh, day two versus a guy who was you know a mid-round pick in the very first round just a couple years back and uh yeah it is a bit of a Rashad Bateman problem and Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Tony the two first round picks in that draft class fall into the problem I had with Traylon Burks where I love to find discounts on players that I think okay well the talent could be there the opportunity might still be there and then you look into the history and first round wide receivers who finished outside of the top 48 as rookies to then go on and have any top 24 season at any point of their career over the last 10 years. The list is um, Hopkins, Parker, Hollywood, Cooks, Aguilar, and Mike Williams, end list. It's the full list. It's not a very long list. It's not a very inspiring list. Um, so it's it's put a little bit of a, a wet blanket there on my excitement for going in and trying to buy Traylon Burks and get in really cheap here. I do think it's probably just one of those where I'm going to let somebody else take the risk and I'm just going to wash my hands and move on. I'm totally cool if he is thrown into a trade or I'm getting rid of a Zamir White. Sure, let's go in. We got a new coaching staff, right? The guys had injuries. We can we can go and make every excuse in the book. They're there for it. So I'll, I'll have that if I want to you know, sell myself on it because he's just that cheap. Um, but in terms of going out and spending what will probably need to be a mid mid second, um, I'm just not spending the draft capital per se. I'm not using him as somebody to get rid of any asset that I find meaningful in terms of a trade. Um, and we got, I've gotten a lot of questions about, okay, I've got 207, 209. Should I trade them for Traylon Burks? And where I'm like, it's probably a fair value. Like what I was saying with Michael Wilson, if I'm literally just putting those picks in terms of like right up with my tiers, the rookies exactly compare them to the people in the league. Like it probably works certain sense of value, but there's no reason to make that trade now. There's literally just no reason to make that trade now because the pick that you have is only going to accrue value over the next three months. And Traylon Burks is, I think at best going to just plateau. He's just one of these guys who's just going to sit there level headed. And uh, so that's kind of my full take there. It's a lot of recycle from the Michael Wilson. I was just curious if you guys had any other hope or any stats to throw out there to help uh, people here on with chilling Burks. So my only comment on Hopkins, I would expect Hopkins to be back. I think that's probably just the way I'm operating for anyone. If there are questions, well, do you think Hopkins is going to be there? 
I would say yes. I think it's really hard to get a veteran wide receiver when you're probably rolling out with a second-year quarterback to come play for Tennessee is very, very low despite your coach. You might even try to draft the guy, and we'll see how things go. But I think to start, they'll probably like to keep his name on there, especially because he is under contract. You would have to forego that money to get him. Um, But, yeah, I mean, unless if Stephon Diggs is on the market. But (laughs) I think the the – you know, their big thing is that they need Levis to produce and to to become a competent starter moving forward. And for that to happen, I think Hopkins needs to stay around. So I'd, I'd be shocked, unless somebody's going to pay them something significant in a trade, I'd be shocked if they've moved Hopkins. Because, as you said, they're not going to find a better alternative. And they need Levis to, you know, to continue to develop. Yeah, I think to put a pin in this for me and for the show is that you mentioned Levis, and I think that's a great point because he hasn't really shown that he can support, you know, multiple fancy assets yet. There's some hope that he's, you know, shown a little bit in rookie year, but he showed just enough to get a second shot, a second, a second year at least a start. Yeah, so. But not enough to really think that after Hopkins, he's going to support someone else. But that's going to wrap things up for this show. Rich, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. Uh, let everyone know where to find all of your work, where to find you. Tell them about fancy sanctuary all those things yeah thank you very much for having us on um love the work you guys do uh you can find me i'm at dynasty island on twitter x whatever we're calling it these days um but more importantly you can find all of my work uh over at the fancy sanctuary which is at the ff sanctuary on twitter youtube all those good places all right yeah Tom, I mean, anything yeah. you got just at nfl underscore strike on twitter Loads of articles. I think I've got 25 different articles coming out on Fantasy Pro over the next month. Um, and then all the video content. And this time of year, I'm just here to support Rich's work and to make it all click and groove with all the Dynasty content he's come got going on. Uh, but if you are looking to learn about rookies, if you're looking for mock drafts, if you're looking for any kind of Dynasty content, give us a click. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, everyone out there, after you're done subscribing to JWV Fantasy Football, <laughs> go over to Fantasy Sanctuary, subscribe to them as well. Not only great Dynasty content, Tom, a best ball master, if you want to get in on that. You know, <laughs> um, if you want to be playing best ball, you want to get an underdog, and you're not on there yet, you can sign up with Code JWV for a first-time deposit match up to $100. You can find Skylar on Twitter at the FF Buffalo. You can find me at YP underscore FF. You can find JWB at JWB underscore FF. In the description of this video, you'll find the link to our free Discord, which is almost 700 members strong at this point. We're running mock drafts all the time, helping people get ready for dynasty startups, for rookie mocks, uh, for their for the rookie drafts. And we're keeping all that data in there for you to be able to go and check out as well. You can find the link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content, which includes our Clips catalog for free, where you can click on any player. It's listed uh, alphabetically and chronologically. You want to look at a clip on a player we talked about on this channel, you can go right to it, see what we had to say. As I said, like, subscribe, follow at all places, everywhere we're there. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time.